0: The story's not over. There are still chapters to be written. So yes, these chapters are marked by hurt and pain and tears but those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Do you believe that today? Oh, I want to believe that. I I, I want to believe it for everybody today. Whatever's going on right now, listen. The suffering and the sorrows, momentary. Because God's not done working yet.
1: Whether it's on the big screen or in a good novel, the best stories have a moment when you're not sure how things are going to go. The happy ending seems a long way off, maybe even impossible. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that those bleak moments are also a part of your real life experience. He reminds you that you're still in the middle of the story. God is actively working things out toward an ending that will blow your socks off. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Habakkuk chapter 3 as he continues his message, Praise and Vanity.
0: Have to learn how to praise on the journey, and I'm reminded of a beautiful, beautiful verse. This is Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And you know, this has been a, a scripture that has given me great comfort over the years. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Isn't that a gorgeous verse? I mean, the, the verse is saying, look, when everything is wrong, there's no the fig tree doesn't have any fruit on the vine, you know, there's no... There's no animals in the stalls. You can't make olive oil. And for an Italian person, that's a bad scene. You can't make anything without olive oil, right? It's like, like, you know, though all this stuff is wrong, yet, yet it says, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will join the God of my salvation. Because for you and I as followers of Jesus, no matter what is going wrong, the fact that you're in Christ, there is something that's always right. And so we have to learn how to praise the Lord on the journey. And I don't know what's going on in your world today. I know that for all of us, it's a real disruptive time. Lots of things are happening. You know, I was just just thinking, I was talking with someone just recently about, you know, some of the civil unrest that's going on as it relates to, you know, kind of racial inequality. And the person I was talking to, a person of color, and they said, you know, listen, I, I remember before the 60s what that was like. And it was great because they were like, there's a, still a lot of work to do, but we've come a long way, and we have to keep working. And, I, and it was such a great perspective because it was like, yeah, we're not where we used to be. It was way worse. We still have a long way to go. But, but he's like, but either way, my hope is in the Lord because God is in the midst of it. God wants to do a work here. anywhere." He, he, he was funny. He was like, anywhere there's injustice, God wants to do a work. I'm like, yeah, free. that's gospel right there. Anywhere there's injustice, God wants to do some work. And so we have to learn how to praise God on the way up in the journey. And that's why it says... You know, in verse four, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. So so really, it's, it's a call, God, will you bring us back from the captivity? Now, the streams of the south, what's interesting is in the, in the Hebrew, the word south is the Negev, which was the desert region that was in the southern part of Israel. And in the hot summer times, all of the streams in the desert region would dry up. But once they got into the rainy season, all those streams would start to flow again. So he's like, Lord, bring our captivity back just the way you keep bringing back the streams in the desert. That's what he's saying. And I don't know, you know, as I was kind of preparing this, I wonder if there are some of us right now where, you know, you've been in a long season of not captivity like you were in Babylon, like the children of Israel, but, you know, there's been some bondage, some, some something that's really held you back. Maybe it's addiction or, or some area of brokenness or woundedness in your life, and it's really kind of held you down. And I just... I think I just want to encourage you to grab that verse, bring back our captivity like the streams in the desert. Saying, "Lord, will, will you bring us bring us back on this way up, on this pilgrim journey up closer to you?" Just the way you bring back the nourishment, the the the, the, the water in the midst of a parched desert. Will you do that in us, in our lives? Then it says in verse five of Psalm one twenty six, it says, "Those who sow in tears." shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, what does this mean? This reminds us that, of course, that the the sorrow is momentary. The sorrow is momentary. You know, as we're talking about this captivity, this time in Babylon, listen, don't forget when you sow in tears, You're reaping joy, right? And and, and that's the the hope of the Christian faith is that this sorrow is momentary. It's a momentary light affliction. It's always like this. It's just like this now. And the Bible, it's so beautiful because the Bible's view of happiness You know, and I'm so excited. You know, I have a book that's called Crazy Happy. And we're going to be able to break this open. God's plan of happiness is not just like smiling from the face out. God's plan of happiness, it's a deep concept. And one of the realities of God's plan for happiness is that mourning is a part of it. How do I know? Of course, in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be what? Comforted. That word blessed, oh, how happy are those who mourn. Nobody's ever said that. That's why the book that I got is going to be called Crazy Happy because God's plan for happiness is found in crazy places. It's like nobody ever said, when you mourn, you're, you should be happy that you're mourning. That doesn't make any sense. But when you put it in context of Scripture, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. See, it's this principle of sowing and reaping. It's this idea that there are times because our sorrow is temporary or momentary that their tears are necessary. It would be inhuman not to shed tears. God is not asking us to be inhuman or, or, or superhuman. He's asking us to be truly human. Right? And for the children of Israel who were in captivity in Babylon, there was a lot of weeping and mourning and brokenness. But they sowed in tears, and because they trusted in the Lord, they ended up reaping in joy. And then he, and then I love this, because it's an agricultural reference that he's using here. He's like, he who continually goes forth weeping. So remember, he's sowing in tears. And then he says, bearing seed for sowing. So this is not the idea of like a one-time. It's like he's got a bag of tears. Right, he's got this whole sack, and this just the other day because you know we were doing some work in our yard. We took some big trees down, so we had to go buy seed. We got bought these huge bags of seed; it's like fifty-pound bags of seed to be able to plant grass where these trees were, you know. And as I, I picked it up, I was reading this just that morning. I'm like, oh yeah, a bag of seeds here. He's got so 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 this this is somebody who's the grief is so great on the journey. It's such a tough season. He's continually weeping. He's got these seeds of sowing, these long-term hurts, right? Shall doubtless, notice what it says, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. So he's saying for the person who is who is weeping, for the person who realizes that their sorrow is momentary, but the sorrow is real. They're scattering the seeds of the tears, but when they come back, doubtless, they're going to come back. You sow in tears, you reap in what? Joy. You come back with rejoicing, and you have sheaves in your hands. So it's like there's a harvest of fruitfulness that comes on the other end of the season of mourning and tears. And listen, you want some perspective, listen. The sorrow's momentary. Are things hard? Yes. Have they been hard for a long time? Maybe. But guess what? The glory that awaits us is not even worthy to be compared with the suffering of this present age. That's what Paul said, Romans chapter eight, right? And when you realize all the suffering, all the tears They're real, but they're temporary. It's not the whole story. The number of times as a pastor, I have talked to people and I've heard horrendous stories and I always end up saying, listen, don't forget you're in the middle chapters. This story's not over. This is a tragedy, but the story's not over. There are still chapters to be written. So yes, these chapters are marked by hurt and pain and tears. But those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Do you believe that today? Oh, I want to believe that. I, I, I want to believe it for everybody today. Whatever's going on right now, listen. The suffering and the sorrows, momentary, because God's not done working yet. I mean, this is this powerful? I mean, this is what I love so much about the Bible. This is so. It's like this is so street level. This is real life. This is like it's not like you believe in Jesus and everything is easy. You're on a, a spiritual slip and slide all day long. No, it's like h- hard things happen. But then the Bible reminds us, listen, happiness is not the absence of tears. Happiness is knowing the purpose of tears. Seeing your tears and your sorrow in the midst of God's greater story. You sow in tears, you reap in joy. You you scatter seed of sorrow because of the brokenness of the world. And you end up coming back full of rejoicing. And you got fruitfulness on the other side of it. Powerful. Okay, let's keep moving, though. I I could just soak there for a while. Psalm 127, as we continue on. Psalm 127 says it this way. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, For so he gives his beloved sleep. Now, really what this teaches us here, and and, uh, I'm going to say this a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek, don't be vain. Right? Don't be vain. Or if you guys, those of you who are maybe uh, children of the 70s, good old Carly Simon used to sing what? You're so vain. You probably think the song is about you, don't you, don't you? right now now if you didn't know a little piece of music trivia cuz I'm I'll be here all week um is that actually that song was that first was written about the actor Warren Beatty and and uh and so that's just if you don't know who Warren Beatty is is cuz you're not a child of the 70s or the 80s or the 90s but you can look him up online but but I I say don't be vain and because really Carly Simon's song about vanity is like kind of an ex- like a self-centeredness, an excessive pridefulness. And really, if you read Psalm, the first couple of verses of Psalm 127, it's not talking about being proud. Because vanity is not only being proud, but the idea of something that is fruitless or something that is useless. And really what these verses are saying is that no, no matter how much you want something, unless God is in it, it's not going to happen. That's what this verse is. And so he's saying, look, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So it's like, listen, if you want a house and that's not the Lord's will, you can build forever. It's never going to really work. It's It's vanity. It's futile. It's useless, right? Unless the Lord guards the city. Unless God is protecting the city, the watchers, the, the guards who are standing watch, they're gonna stay, they're gonna stay awake in vain. It doesn't matter. They can stay up, they can have a million watchers. If God's not guarding the city, it's useless. It's vanity. Notice, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. So he's saying, nothing that we do can go against the purposes and the plans of God. Right? And listen, this is an important part of the journey is that when you realize that sometimes we want things that God doesn't want for us. Sometimes we're like, I want that. And I'm here to tell you, no matter how much positive psychology you read, and that's not a bad thing, no matter how much you're like, man, I got, this is the way this thing is going to work out. Unless that's God's will for you, you spending your whole life trying to fulfill that is an exercise in vanity. It's futile. It's useless. It's a waste of time. So don't be vain. Our lives are not designed to be God. This is what I want, and I'm going to demand it of you. Our job is to say, Lord, what do you want? And I'm going to join you in what you want. That is what makes Christianity so unique, is that it's not our will, but it's the Lord's being done. Now, let's just be honest. How many of you have done something only to realize later that you were doing something that was futile because God wasn't in it? Guess what? I know everyone's got their hands up, right? I definitely have mine up. So, listen, the key is for us to not get out ahead of the Lord, not trying to impose our will upon the Lord, but to say, Lord, what is your will? And I don't want to waste my time and my energy. I don't want to waste my passion and my focus on things that you are not interested in. Listen to what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 37 to 40. I just wanted to quote Lamentations for you all because I said that it's no one's favorite book in the Bible, but this is what it says. It says, who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the most high that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. It's saying, listen, nobody, if God doesn't speak it, it's never going to come to pass. If God doesn't want it's never going to happen. So let's examine our ways and let's make sure that we're linking up hands with God. And I love the way God works through his word that the spirit of God begins to kind of convict our hearts, right? Like kind of sticks, your, sticks his thumb on you a little bit and be like, hey, listen to this. If, if right now you are on a vanity errand, maybe it's been a long-term van and you're just like, this is what I want. And, and, and God's like, yeah, I'm not really in that, but you're going to keep it. Listen, don't be vain. God wants you to use that energy and that focus and that passion in other areas. He's given you the passion. He's given you the energy. But if it's a a lesson in futility, stop doing it. Because God doesn't want us to be vain. And I think all of us, if we look back on the testimony of our lives, we see some of that stuff. Something that we wanted, we wanted it. God wasn't in it. But it is a part of the journey. And, And when we realize it, we say, Lord, turn us back. Turn us back to you. Now, Psalm 127 closes in another area of life, place to get some perspective. Notice what it says, verse three. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak With their enemies in the gate, really, what we learn here is that kids are God's blessings. Now, I say that realizing that maybe the greatest area of struggle for many of us is families. You know, it's like it's why the holidays are could be such a beautifully depressing time, challenging time. You know, for some people, the the their kids, maybe they couldn't have kids you know, grandkids, nieces. There's so much uh, feelings and and brokenness in a broken world. You know, and one of the things I love so much about the Lord is that he holds out the ideal in front of us. He's, he's like, this is what I'm doing. And, and so much of life is realizing that there is the ideal and then there is our real lives. And they're not always the same thing. But God's plan in the family is a blessing. God gave children. And family as a blessing, and if you're one of those folks who it hasn't been a blessing, I'm so sorry. You know, God's ideal is that it be a blessing, a reward, God's best for us. And in this case, really, what we're seeing here is that you know, and and, and in culture, especially in, in in the time that the Psalms were written in Jesus's culture, the idea like you know, everybody worked the fields, and so if you didn't if you didn't have kids, you know, how, how do you Harvest your land. How do you protect your house? You know what I mean. It's not like today where it's like, oh man, I just get my, my my groceries get delivered. I get you know kind of imperfect vegetables. They come and because they're cheap and organic or whatever, and they show up at the house. It's like, no, if you didn't get it out of your garden, you weren't eating. You know, and so not having children was was a, a, a huge issue for the family. Let alone how the you know the inheritances worked and everything. And so, but it is such a good reminder that. You know, God's plan for the family is a unique one. Kids are a blessing. Now, for all of us, though, whether your family is extraordinary or extraordinarily heartbreaking, do not ever forget that God's plan in Jesus is also to adopt us into a new family. And what I have learned as someone who has come, came from a pretty amazing family and someone who, I mean, right now my kids are still young and I like them a lot and they still kind of like me, I think. And if they don't, I just give them a cookie and then they like me anyway. You know, they're, they're not old enough to dislike me a lot yet. But what I'm reminded of is that if you have a good family or a challenging family, God also adopts us into a brand new family. And, and listen to what it says, John's Gospel, chapter one, verses 12 and 13, but as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here's what I want to tell you. The family of God will heal whatever wounds we have in our family. It can't replace it. But it can bring healing and wholeness because God's plan is for us to have physical families. But then really God's ultimate goal is the eternal spiritual family of the children of God. It was funny. I was just talking with my, with my kids about this. They were asking about marriage in heaven. You know, and of course, if you know the Bible, you know, you're not married in heaven. You know, it's like, it's like you're, you're off the hook, you know, at that point. And, and they are like, well, I don't understand. Like, will you and mom not know each other. I'm like, no, we're going to know as we're known. Of course we're going to know each other. But, but at the end of the day, she's not going to have to put up with me in the same way, you know, she's going to get freedom from that, you know, and me, I, I'm just going to follow her around and make sure I keep bugging her because that's my job. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, because our families on this side of eternity are temporary, but God's family is eternal. And that is why God has such a special plan by bringing people from all different nationalities and all different backgrounds and all different, you know, families of origin, good, bad, mangled, beautiful, and he puts us all together. He says, I want to make a a new family of every tribe, nation, and tongue called the church. The church with a big C, God's own people who weren't born of blood, not a bloodline, I'm born of the will of a person, but was born again by the spirit of Jesus into a brand new family. And I just say, as I bring this to a close, I just absolutely love the Crossroads family. So awesome. I feel honored that I get to just be a part of this family. Just Extraordinary people, unique people, people who—I mean, like—I always joke that, like, if you know, if if you were out and about and you saw me in a grocery store, I'd probably be the last person you want to talk to, you know. But we get to be family together, you know, and and, and God has knit together a community, and and not only the the Crosses family who can gather in Vancouver, but 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 the Crosses family that's scattered all over the globe on the on our internet campus, people on TV and radio, like this is this, this huge family, you know. That, that has been put together by Jesus. And just now I said that, you know, children are a blessing. Like, think about our heavenly father. He's adopted us into, our, into his family, right? No one for one second thinks that I've been the ideal child in God's family you know like all of us God's doing a work it's like sometimes we're bratty and sometimes we're throwing a temper tantrum and sometimes we're unreasonable and sometimes we you know we're just having a bad day and there's all these pieces
1: Jesus is real. God designed family to be a blessing in your life but because of our messed up hearts it can also be a source of great pain Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God sees those hurts and wants to help you heal. One way he does this is through the family of God. There, you'll find healing and help, challenge and growth, love and comfort. And while God wants you to have a healthy physical family, his ultimate goal is that you become part of his spiritual family.
0: Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more
1: resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will talk about how the events and perceptions of your past have a profound effect and how you view your present circumstances. You'll be reminded that God wants you to remember that he's at work in the midst of whatever's going on. He's making a way for you to be able to take steps forward to keep moving up. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called The Way Up. It's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.